0: What's up, Beardos? You're listening to episode 129 of the Bearded Vegans.
1: Basically our whole philosophy boils down to don't be a jerk. Don't let me answer your question first
0: by not answering your question. I really hope people didn't tune in to hear us talk about Welcome to the show. I'm Paul. And I'm Andy. And we are The Bearded Vegans, a podcast featuring a dissection of all things vegan.
1: If you're just tuning in for the first time, you can find all of our previous episodes at thebeardedvegans.com. You can always reach us by emailing thebeardedvegans at gmail.com.
0: In today's episode, we're going to talk about what we've been eating, discuss the news, and then ask the question, does targeting individual restaurants hurt the vegan movement?
1: Yes, bringing this one on by popular demand. A flood of emails asked us to cover this one, and ask and ye shall receive.
0: The Beardos have been demanding it.
1: <laughs> We've been putting it off, too. it has been It's not the newest of news stories, but it just keeps developing, so we're going to talk about it. But before we do any of that, Paul, we have so many announcements to make right now. Mm-hmm. So let's see here. The first one that we have is that... Our bonus episode for the month of April is up, and we recorded a review of a film called Empathy, which is a Spanish documentary made by a guy who is not vegan, and he's been hired by an animal rights group to make this documentary, and I haven't seen anyone talking about it, but... I speak for us both when I say we were both fascinated with this documentary and the discussion that ensued off of it was one of my favorite film reviews that we've done in quite a while
0: boy oh boy Andy I love this movie a lot (laughs) I would highly encourage people to check this out and to listen to this episode because like Andy said this was a fun one to record I love this movie I loved it go watch it
1: and also we recorded it very late at night and it gets a little little silly towards the end so.
0: <laughs> this one's we're recording pretty late right now andy let's see how far we get with this one
1: <laughs> yes indeed
0: and of course the way that you can get access to this bonus episode is by going to com slash beardo b-e-a-r-d-o and then click on that patreon link and become a patron to our patreon page and you will have access to all the Amazing, truly wonderful, splendiferous (laughs) bonus content.
1: Yeah, so check that out. That means that there are now three full bonus episodes and one half bonus episode sitting in that Patreon waiting for people. So that's announcement number one. Announcement number two, Paul, what do we got?
0: So as some of you might be aware, probably few of you might be aware, Andy and myself also record another podcast called Epic Nitpick which we, we don't get to do it as much as, as I would probably like, and we definitely don't do it as much as Andy would love. But <laughs> we basically we, we pick apart pieces of pop culture. Usually that takes the form of movie reviews, but non-vegan-related movie reviews, so it doesn't really fit into this podcast. But if you want to check out that podcast, it's called Epic Nitpick, and we just did a review for Isle of Dogs, the new Wes Anderson movie.
1: Yeah, and I wouldn't say there are no animal rights themes in that film, so eh, maybe a little crossover there.
0: This is true. Crossover episode with
1: us. (laughs) With us. (laughs) Special guests, us. Yeah, yeah, you can find that pretty much wherever podcasts are found, so it was nice to do that again. They're they're quick, short bursts, usually between 30 and and 45 minutes. We get straight into the review. There's There's no news. There's no what we've been watching or anything like that, so if that tickles your fancy, go check it out. And our next announcement is something I'm really excited about. We have scheduled another live podcast. So the next one that's going to be happening this year is July 14th at the Atlantic City Vegan Food Festival. But all the way in November, so mark your calendars, we will be doing a live podcast from the Atlanta VegFest, which is, of course, in Atlanta, Georgia. Paul, have you ever been to Atlanta?
0: I have never been to Atlanta.
1: Uh, I'm so excited for you to experience the, the South.
0: I expect to see Donald Glover.
1: <laughs> I'm sure he'll be there. He'll be, <laughs> he'll be in the front row. So, you know, we'll keep people updated on the time and if we have a topic or a special guest or anything like that. But since we just confirmed it and it has just been announced to the world, we figured we'd drop that in the podcast as well. We'll give you some announcements as things get closer. And it was because of communicating with Lee, the organizer of Atlanta VegFest, we learned about this next little tidbit of information. What is that, Paul?
0: So some of you wonderful beardos have been contacting us through the contact form from our website, thebeardedvegans.com, which, you know, makes intuitive sense. You want to contact (laughs) us, you go to the contact form. and. It, it it just became apparent to us, as Andy said, that we weren't getting some of the, the messages that people were sending us. So we looked into it and we realized that we had missed quite a few messages from people and, and we actually weren't receiving those messages. So we have remedied the situation. So we are now... We are now receiving those those messages, and we would sincerely like to apologize to people that sent a message through the contact form and then didn't get any response from us. It was this time, it was not because we were ignoring you, it was because <laughs> we were literally not getting the messages. But as as always, you can send us an email directly to thebeardedvegans at gmail.com, but now also the contact form on thebeardedvegans.com. Should be up and running and fully functioning, and we will be receiving your messages from here on out.
1: Yeah, it was so sad to realize that that's what was happening, and I'm just so sad at all the messages we probably missed out on. So I know. Feel free to resend a message. If you've sent us something through the contact page and we didn't get back to you, feel free to resend it, even if it was from eight months ago.
0: Definitely, definitely. So, Andy... You ate at somewhere special that I would have liked to eat at this this past weekend.
1: I would have loved for you to have joined me. I was passing through Richmond, Virginia, and I got to stop at Guar Bar, which is a bar with a full menu that was started by several members of Guar apparently. <laughs> and you know, it's kind of like like dive bar type atmosphere. And a lot of like show posters and flyers and whatnot on the wall. And, of course, the the menu is themed. It's not all vegan. I'd say maybe 30, 35% of it or so is vegan. So, you know, in the the non-vegan section, they, of course, have meat sandwich. But in the <laughs> vegan section, the thing that I got was the Hail Seitan Sandwich, which is a barbecue satan sandwich that comes with some crispy onions and some fennel slaw. And you can, you know, choose your sides. I went with the tots. I have to say, some of the best tots I've ever had in my life. They had some kind of seasoning on them that really made them stand out. And you can get this sandwich done two ways. So I went just Carolina style. And I think a lot of people don't know what Carolina style barbecue is outside of the region. And that is barbecue that is just sort of like vinegar based. And hmm. there's there's some seasoning in there. And it's, it's a little sweet. And so I got that because I was like, oh, I never see Carolina style for vegan options. And I thought it was... Pretty damn good, but Paul, mm-hmm. if you just get their regular barbecue sauce, do you have a guess what it's called?
0: Um, where is the pun? Where does the pun lie in barbecue? Uh huh. Barba Barbecue, barbecue. Nailed it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you can get their barbecue sauce as well. So yeah i'd definitely check it out passing through they're open till like two in the morning so great place to grab something to eat and i just did the wilmington veg fest down in north carolina and it turns out the wilmington veg fest was competing with ludicrous performing in town at the same day yikes yes but i did get to meet some beardos a couple of returning beardos and shout out to new beardo dustin for stopping by I'm picking up a button and sticker
0: heck yeah all
1: right paul what went in that beautiful mouth of yours this week
0: well, I did eat something nice, Andy, but you know what? We talked about it in that bonus ep- empathy episode, so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that there. It's really not that exciting, so don't <laughs> <laughs> don't get too don't, don't get too hyped about it, but figured I wouldn't mention it twice. So yeah. listen to that listen to that bonus ep.
1: All right, that means it's time for the news. What do we got? What do we got here, Paul?
0: So this first piece is actually, I think this is a, a, specifically for one aspect of it, for one little tidbit of information that they give us. I'm pretty stoked about this one. This is coming to us from sustainablebrands.com. And it's titled, 80% of Brits would give up meat over their car to help out the environment. Now, this is from March 29th. So it's, it's a little less than a month ago. And I'm going to read a little bit about this research that was done. The latest research from comparethemarket.com, supported by Gresham College professor Carolyn Roberts, reveals which changes the UK public are making in the name of the environment and their associated impacts. According to the research, over 3.5 million, or 7%, of UK residents currently identify as vegan, and over 7 million, 14%, have switched to vegetarianism to help decrease their carbon footprint. Environmental issues continue to rise up the national agenda. However, and quite naturally, the desire for change does not always translate into genuine action as other priorities can overwhelm many of us, particularly those with demanding jobs and families. And this was said by Carolyn Roberts, the Gresham College professor. She continues, For example, giving up driving may be practically impossible for many of us with work to get to and a family to support. The good news is that, More practical changes such as a shift in diet could be a superior solution to having a positive impact on the environment. Wow. So basically what this article was talking about was how in this study it basically came out that a lot of residents in the UK would would be more willing to change their diet around than they would be to give up their car. And I mean obviously – we're not asking people to say like, you need to do this or this. But I, I, I think one thing I'm hopeful about is just the willingness of people to change their diet. And then the, the other thing that I'm hopeful about is the fact that according to this research, that 7% of UK residents identify as vegan, which I, I thought that that was higher than I thought. And I feel like, Andy there have been articles that we've discussed over the past like six months I want to say where this like the, the percent of vegans in both the UK and usually we're talking about either the UK or the US but it kind of keeps rising and I feel like I'm always skeptical and I'm always looking for like oh well how did this research get done there must be something wrong with this but eventually I'm just going to have to admit <laughs> to myself that the percentage is, is rising which I think is really cool
1: submit. Yes, I've seen a few people picking apart that 7% number, but even those people say it's probably not that far off, only by like a few percentage points. So that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and 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 I I I know we've discussed this before, but I really feel like it's going to kind of as as this percentage increases and and people who identify as vegans, it shifts from being like the the black sheep to being you know, just like a part of the general public, I feel like the, we'll, we'll see the, the the cultural norms or the societal norms surrounding meat eating and stuff like that. We'll see that shift happen much more rapidly. And, and I'm excited for that.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I think the only thing that I'll say is, you know, you said you're excited by people's willingness to change their diet. I feel like this maybe just points to people's willingness to say that they would change their diet you know, I think that for as much crap as vegans get, there is still a perception that, you know, it's a good thing to do. You know, I think a lot of people are guilty about the fact that they they currently haven't made those changes. But I think that some people do like to sort of say that they are vegan or that they're close to vegan. I think that, a lot, honestly, that's a lot of the appeal to these things like seganism and and veganism and all all of these isms that we've talked about that are like they're not vegan but people just like want to have some variation of that label so you know this is all like self reporting and people saying that they would do this instead of that you know it might be harder just to envision giving up your car i I, you know for me personally obviously i'm vegan and my vehicle is very important to my my everyday life so so i think that you know depending on where someone lives, it would be a lot harder to give up their car than it would be to to go vegan. But I guess the inverse could be said for other situations. But yeah, I think overall, I am encouraged by these findings.
0: Yeah. And and I do want to point out also that in those two stats that I read, it says 7% of people currently identify as vegan. So that's I feel like that's straightforward. But then the other one says... Uh, 14% of people have switched to vegetarianism to help decrease the carbon footprint. So that doesn't say anything about how many people are currently vegetarian because if it was 14% of people are currently vegetarian in the UK, that would mean 21% of people are either vegetarian or vegan. And I feel like a fifth of the population not eating meat is pretty, pretty sick, but I don't think sick in a good way, (laughs) but I don't think (laughs) sick bro sick bro but i don't think that that's what that implies i feel like the 14% is is was probably a survey that says have you ever like eaten less meat or eaten no meat at some point to reduce your ethical or um, your environmental footprint <laughs>
1: reduce that ethical footprint reduce that
0: ethical footprint but you know what i mean andy like the wording of that makes it seem like to me that's not talking about how many current vegetarians there are
1: Yeah, it's definitely a little wishy-washy in the phrasing there.
0: Wishy-washy wording. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So shall we move on into this other wonderful, (laughs) exciting vegan news, Andy?
1: Yes, Paul. It seems like we can't go a single week without another story, usually from Veg News, uh, saying some celebrity has done something vaguely related to veganism.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I will say, though... In my, like earlier today when I was trying to find, I was trying to look for news stories, every, every vegan news outlet I found, it's like 75% or more of the stories had to do with like, this Moby is throwing a vegan prom or like, listen to what this celebrity says about the pros and cons of veganism or something like that. And I was just like, my God, it's been a slow week for the vegan world.
1: (laughs) But... We shall keep you in suspense no longer. So this article from VegNews says, Gordon Ramsay finally gives vegan thing a try. <laughs> and does this mean he tr- he tried a vegan thing? <laughs> or he's going vegan?
0: He ate no a vegetable.
1: One, no one really seems to be sure. But essentially, Gordon Ramsay tweeted out a photo of a what appeared to be a cheeseless pizza and said... I'm giving this vegan thing a try. No, seriously. And the world collectively lost their shit <laughs> <laughs> over this tweet. And it, this is particularly notable because Ramsey has been very vocally anti vegan.
0: Gordon Ramsay vocal about something? Yeah. Ridiculous.
1: (laughs) So uh, I'll read a little bit from this Veg News article. Ramsay has publicly mocked vegans for more than one decade, once stating that he would electrocute his children if they had adopted a (laughs) meat-free diet. In a 2016 Twitter thread, Ramsay was asked if he had any allergies. His wondered response was, vegans. Burn. (laughs) Yeah, sick burn. In February, Ramsay tweeted that he was a member of, of Paul. This is this original joke just had me dying. He tweeted that he was a member of PETA, which stands for, wait for it, drumroll please, (laughs) people eating tasty animals.
0: God, what if he's the originator of that (laughs) bad, bad joke?
1: He's like trademarked it and he's trying to shut down other people that use that joke because it's his. (laughs) All right, let's talk about this for a second. I want to talk about what this means for for vegan culture when all we do is blow up celebrities that say the word vegan. But this this tweet kind of follows in the shoes of Kylie Jenner, right, who posted a picture of a vegan taco and said, like, giving this vegan thing a try. I I feel like a few celebs have used that specific phrasing and everyone like lost their minds over. And it's like it sounds like she's just saying she's going to eat a vegan taco and see how it goes. And with this, that picture, it certainly doesn't say, oh, I'm going vegan now. It just feels like he's saying, I'm going to try this vegan pizza. Now, digging a little further, turns out he's opening a new pizza restaurant that's going to have at least one vegan item on the menu. So the cynic in me is just saying he's just getting publicity, very smartly so, and the vegans are playing right into his hands (laughs) by announcing that there's going to be a vegan option on the menu. So like you said Paul this has been in every single on every single but the vast majority of vegan news outlets are covering this and even articles like the independent are saying Gordon Ramsay reveals he's going to give this vegan thing a try <laughs> 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 and the first line of that though of that independent article is Gordon Ramsay has revealed he is going to try following a vegan diet which nowhere does it say that whatsoever
0: yeah good lord
1: yeah. So again, I, you know, we just talked about the Donald Glover thing with him buying the thin mints that happened to be vegan and everyone like blew it up. And I get it. You know, we want to attach ourselves to these celebrities that have a lot of pull. And we know that most people aren't reading beyond the headline and they just see. Oh, Gordon Ramsay's going vegan, and that's as far as they're ever going to like look into it. But of course, the next time they watch Hell's Kitchen or whatever he's on, they're going to see him not being vegan. So it's going to go co- totally counter to that. So I think even the idea that people just read the headline and that's it, it doesn't really work in our favor. And I'm, you know, like I'm not opposed to leveraging the power of celebrities. For instance, I just saw uh, one wonderful young man, Joaquin Phoenix, <laughs> in <laughs> "You Were Never Really Here." I thought he was great, and I was. It was like nice to watch him on screen, and be like, "This is an ethical vegan doing his thing right now," and I'd be happy to sort of promote the film and and like mention that he's vegan or something like that. Like, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But when we just jump all over every tiny little minuscule thing that people do. It just feels like it creates more problems than it than it helps. And yeah, like you said, Paul, it just feels like it's a slow news day.
0: Do you when you watch that movie with Joaquin Phoenix, is there any scene where he's eating food and you're like, Huh, wonder if that's vegan? <laughs> or like, huh, I would like that looks like something that's not vegan, but it probably is
1: you know i he never did in the film but there's a scene where he's sort of clearing out a refrigerator and i was thinking about that as i was watching
0: it <laughs> like i don't with someone like him who's who's so outspokenly vegan it's like it would be hard for me to completely distance myself from that when watching something like when watching a character that he's playing like, I'm like, that character is probably still vegan.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, there's the stories about, like, Woody Harrelson on the set of Zombieland. He had to eat a Twinkie, and he had a vegan Twinkie made to consume on yeah, camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, which I, I, someone could say, well, people wouldn't know that it's vegan, and therefore you're still promoting animal use. But I still think it's kind of cool.
0: I do, too. I do, too.
1: So, so, Paul, this is not the only vegan celebrity story that we've happened across, <laughs> even in, like, the last few days. Again, veg news. <laughs> uh, they publicized that Harry Styles, formerly of One Direction, uh, received acclaim for, quote, respecting vegans by throwing a vegan pie at a tour mate is like the opening <laughs> act of the tour. It was the final night hijinks, you know, shenanigans, and everyone's pranking each other. And he threw a vegan pie at at this person that was opening the show. And it's like,
0: cool. <laughs> I think it was just like didn't the person tweet just got pied in the face dot 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 at least it was vegan or something like that yeah and that was that was basically the extent of it
1: yeah and so and, pe-
0: <laughs> and people are like losing losing it over that.
1: <laughs> yeah again it just feels like slow news week like don't we have don't we have more important things to talk about
0: yeah. But, w- w- Andy, we do have something more important to talk about. Hit me with this last thing.
1: <laughs> we have the most important vegans, vegan celebrity news to talk about. And that is uh, we also learned that Eminem is serving mom's spaghetti <laughs> 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 at, at Coachella pop-up. <laughs> Paul, I just spent way more time than I should have <laughs> searching through articles and trying to figure out if everything being served at this pop-up was vegan or if it was just a vegan option. And, and I, I had to, like, find a photo that of the, this booth that it was being served at and, like, zoom in really close on the, the <laughs> menu, like, sandwich board.
0: <laughs> so that's some, like, FBI, CIA work.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely said enhance every time I <laughs> made it get bigger. <laughs> so, anyway, it's not a fully vegan meal, but the base mom spaghetti is vegan and then you could get meatballs with animal flesh for 12 bucks or you could get the v rabbit named after b rabbit from eight mile uh, ah. vegan balls for 15 dollars so um uh, i don't know i mean i feel like that is maybe a little more like noteworthy i mean you know i don't want to endorse uh the opinions of eminem obviously <laughs> I'm more interested in the internet meme culture surrounding Mom Spaghetti and how that has come full circle and he's now actually serving Mom Spaghetti. But I don't know. It just feels like when, when all we do is just talk about these celebrity things, it almost trivializes the issues at hand. I don't know. What do you think, Paul?
0: I, I definitely think it's I, – I see what you're saying with the, the trivializing it. I, I'm more concerned about just like the, the finicky nature that – of most of these celebrities and how they're, they just kind of, they wisely grasp onto trends because it's what keeps them relevant and popular. And I would much rather, like you were saying, I would much rather endorse the, like the Joaquin Phoenixes or the Moby's or the Woody Harrelson's or the people who I know are, are in this for the long haul and, and are doing things that I think are, are more worthwhile in their advocacy, then, you know, then quote, given this vegan thing a try. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, but that that's not to say that not necessarily with these three stories, but I think there are more nuances in like the Beyonce stories or these things where it's like, where people will follow what this person says to do. Like, I don't think that's apparent in any of these three, but there are other celebrities who will have this influence on people. And if they say, hey, I'm going vegan, they will get people to go vegan. So I, I don't think that's we should completely discredit that. Obviously, like we think that people are less likely to stick with veganism if they're just doing it as like a diet or a trend or something like that. But I mean we can't discredit it completely.
1: Yeah. I guess I'm just worried that also all these stories kind of just to me, paint veganism as like a a dietary thing. You know, I feel like it doesn't really challenge our relationship to animals or anything like that. And, you know, we all got to start somewhere, of course, you know, we always talk about starting with food for most people, but I don't know. It feels like it's sort of reinforcing a specific mainstream view of veganism. Or, or should I say the view that non-vegans have of veganism, which is it's this restrictive diet or something uh, and not really getting like what's the matter at hand?
0: I think I I might also worry. Maybe this is unfounded, but I might also worry with Gordon Ramsay specifically that he would present veganism as like a a, a – type of cuisine and like that's what it is is it's like you can have french food you can have like american food or you can have vegan food like that's that's like the cuisine that i'm presenting to you type of deal and and i feel like that that kind of misses the it doesn't hit the same points that we're that we are trying to get at
1: yeah definitely well speaking of people spending way too much time talking about celebrities let's move on into our next news story
0: (laughs) (laughs) so this one's this one's good it, uh, I'm is not it, really going to. Is it bad?
1: <laughs> it's not bad. I'll give you that. Some some might say it's bad. Some might say it's bad, Paul. We'll talk about it.
0: Are you one of those people who had it?
1: <laughs> I'm not. Hey, I'm a some person, but.
0: <laughs> so this is from OneGreenPlanet.org. Victory! Postmates to stop delivering foie gras to customers. And this was released today, April 19th. And essentially... PETA uh, pressured the food delivery company Postmates to stop serving or to stop delivering foie gras. And after having some meetings, Postmates said that they would no longer uh, deliver foie gras. And that's that's basically the extent of it. I think I think they got PETA's attention because of some particularly distasteful billboards and then PETA kind of launched this campaign. And yeah, I would... I mean, I I think that it is one very, very small piece in this entire sh- shit machine that we have going on here. But it's taken out one piece nonetheless.
1: But do you feel like it's just reinforcing the idea that certain types of exploitation are worse than others?
0: I I'm going to say no. Because... <laughs> Because I want to disagree with you for once in this <laughs> in this show, Andy. I'm going to say no. I I get what you're saying because I do think that that could be how some people take it. I I think I'm sure Peta and people who like campaign against Foie Gras specifically. I think that they do see it as an attainable victory because. Because of its particularly cruel nature, they see it as something that you would be able to get more of the general public on board for, which is true, I think. And I'm not going to say that I think that the most effective tactic to obtain a vegan world would be to slowly chip away from the outermost piece first and be like, this is the most cruel thing. And so the the general public is going to be... You know, in general, we're going to get them on our side. So let's take that out first. Cool. Now, what's the next most cruel thing? And now let's take—is that you know gestation crates or something like that? Let's take a chip at that, and and we can get the general public against that, and then we'll chip away that. Like I don't think that that's the most effective way to obtain this vegan world. And I personally wouldn't be putting all of my vegan eggs in that basket, but I don't think it's a bad thing that it happened. I, 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 and I'm not going to tell these people that have already completed this campaign to be like, (laughs) you should have been doing something else. Yeah. You should, because it's, I mean, and to some extent it's like, I get, I think, I think one of the positives for the movement, obviously there's the positives for the, the geese or the ducks, There's those positives, but in terms of how it could affect the movement overall is, you know, I mean, it is it can encourage people to be like, oh, look, we can make changes. Let's let's keep fighting this fight and and not get discouraged when we're just kind of, you know, when we're doing educational advocacy, which doesn't have which doesn't necessarily have as many tangible results as something like this. It's I think it's easier for people to become discouraged or to think that they're not making as much of a difference. So maybe a victory like this here or there is important for that reason. Mm.
1: That is entirely possible, Paul. But, you know, part of me has that nagging feeling that things like this actually make it harder to get that vegan world because of the fact that it's reinforcing that certain exploitation is worse than others or. It's you know, some 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 might say Paul that it's like implicitly said, or it's like like it could be possible to interpret it that it's it's almost giving the okay for everything else that's going on.
0: Do do you think that? Because to me, if that was the case, that would be happening at a very I feel like subconscious level because I don't feel like that as, especially if someone has no care about. This sort of business or has a passing care about like, oh yeah, that's like, that seems pretty bad. I'm going to sign this petition. Like, sure. I'll sign this petition. I feel like those people aren't going to be consciously thinking like necessarily about, about it in this nuanced of a discussion that mm-hmm. we are having right now. Yeah. I Like I, I do, I concede to you that I think it could be happening at a, at a subconscious level, but I feel like most people aren't having this conversation that we're having right now, especially if this isn't their thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's entirely possible. I guess I guess where I stand is I'm not mad that this happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be
0: that's going to be the next next uh, next week's veg news article. <laughs> Bearded vegans co-host mad about <laughs> foie gras ban.
1: Not mad. I'm not mad, Paul. <laughs> But, yeah, I don't know. I think the conversation about sort of these single-issue campaigns will continue into our main discussion. But before we do that, we have to send a huge thank you to everyone that has jumped on board to help sustain the podcast via a small recurring monthly donation on Patreon. So thank you very, very much to Annie H. I know her. (laughs) (laughs) Sandy S. And Nate. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for doing that. As we said at the top of the show, by supporting the podcast at even a, as low as $1 a month, you get access to all the bonus content in the Patreon feed. And that includes several bonus episodes and, you know, some other little little treats that we drop in there every now and then. And you can get stickers, you can get buttons, and some people can even get early access to episodes and Paul, I don't mean to brag, but we've been doing pretty dang good at releasing the early episode on Sunday morning, so it's like a full three days before the rest <laughs> of the world gets to hear
0: it. You're darn right, and it's it's partially because <laughs> both of our computers are s- slowly dying, and now we can pretty much both only edit an episode in one shot, and if we take more than one sitting to edit an episode they just kind of start freezing so it it makes it like the most miserable experience ever when you have one minute left to record or one minute left to edit and it just keeps freezing so we both have to edit them at once and i think that's helping our productivity though andy so let these computers keep slowing down
1: i was gonna say i was gonna say it's happening because we care deeply about the beardos out there but sure that that works that too (laughs) paul you only get one shot (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's two m references in this episode
1: yes yeah, so if you want to support the podcast and get in on all those sweet perks we just mentioned just head over to thebeardedvegans.com slash beardo that's b-e-a-r-d-o
0: and also if, if you're wondering like hey what's this what the heck is this money going to one of the main reasons why we even started the patreon was to st- To begin to get our episodes transcribed and we currently have two full episode transcriptions out if you would like to check those out or if you know someone that would want to check those out and you can find those transcriptions in the show notes for episode 122 and 127 at thebeardvegans.com.
1: Hell yeah. So thank you once again and let's let's move on into this main discussion Paul as I said this was not something we had initially put on the docket, but we got so many emails from people saying, we, we need your opinion on this, and who are we to deprive <laughs> the beardos? So <laughs> the question we're asking this this week is, does targeting individual restaurants hurt the vegan movement? This is not the first time that we've seen something like this and something we've talked about. I believe there was that butcher shop in berkeley where they're sort of pressured to put a sign up in the Mm -hmm. window that says something along the lines of you know animals value their own lives and you know obviously we've seen protests outside of various restaurants over the years this one particularly takes place at the antler in toronto paul you want to you want to take us through what exactly happened here
0: Sure. So this all revolves around an event that happened on March 27th. As Andy mentioned, it happened at Antler Kitchen and Bar in Toronto. And it basically, while there was a group of protesters who had been staging weekly protests since December, and essentially the uh, Michael Hunter, who is one of the co-owners of Antler, at some point, I guess he he had had enough at this point in March. I mean, it's been going for maybe three months at this point. That's a it's quite a few protests, and he basically made a makeshift butcher table right, at, right inside of the window where the people were protesting and began butchering a deer leg as a form of counter-protests against the vegan activists. Gross. Very gruesome, very disgusting. And one of the activists filmed this confrontation, and that video ended up going viral and uh, making some... Some pretty big news stories, so let me read a little bit from this article. So again, Michael Hunter is the co-owner of Antler. Hunter's counter-protest was quickly picked up by Canadian and international news outlets and has sparked a food debate in the country. Marni Ugar, and, and I hope that is the correct pronunciation, sorry if it's not Marnie. the activist who planned the original protests insists the whole incident has been sensationalized by media that saw outraged vegans as irresistible fodder for news. Hunter felt he had no choice but to respond to the activists that March evening. The restaurant highlights seasonal local and wild foods and steers clear of factory farming. It's fair, wild boar, minced venison, bison steak, and duck heart yakitori is designed to appeal to food-conscious carnivores. Hunter knew his actions might have consequences, but he says he, quote, could not have imagined the level of support he has gotten for taking a stand. The restaurant has received phone calls emails and even donations from people across the city and heard from people in the hospitality industry around the world
1: yeah he got a lot of mileage out of this counter protest and actually found this article over at blog2.com which is a toronto-based blog it's a very popular one uh, reservations soar at Toronto restaurant after a vegan protest, and it, you know the article essentially says just that: that this this counter protest, so to so to speak, got so much coverage, and so many people just are so pissed off at those angry vegans that they want to spite them by going and supporting this restaurant that they had previously been protesting. The article includes lots of tweets from people that are like oh, I'm going to stop here on my flight back from wherever. And, you know, a lot of them, you feel like people are just kind of saying it. They're not actually going to go there. But supposedly all those reservations have been soaring and the restaurants have been packed. Most notably, there was a tweet from Patton Oswalt, which kind of breaks my heart a I little know, bit. I know, I know. Just a little bit, saying uh, I, something along the lines of, I know where I'm going to eat next time I'm in Toronto. So, So, yeah, this really backfired on the vegan protesters and has seemingly done wonders for the the profile of Antler.
0: Yeah, and and if this so I I don't know if I mentioned this article that I'm reading from is from the Guardian, you know, n- not a small outlet by any means. If if this article is any indication, you know, it's like this article definitely has a the undertone of a bias towards Antler and towards Hunter the the co-owner and 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 it later goes on to talk about this other restaurant that also serves like weird and gross meat And and it talks about how much the head chef loves and cares about the animals and and how he knows all their names. And there's and and this is this other restaurant is one that serves foie gras. And they say they treat their ducks like gold. So like a commodity. Yeah. 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 And and while the ducks are force fed, it's only for two seconds per day. So it's like, don't worry, Andy. They're only torturing them a, a little bit. It's only a little bit of really, really horrible stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The way they broke it down was like, it's only two seconds a day for, for like 12 days. So it's or like a few times a day for whatever for 12 days, but they're like, it only adds up to like 12 minutes or two minutes or something of pain, you know, when they had 12 weeks of of free roaming living up to that. So really, is it that bad?
0: Yeah. So I was kind of, I was kind of bummed that the, the article took this tone, obviously. I'm bummed about it because it's it's a tone against the what what I would want it what the tone that I would want it to be, but also because I feel like it was, you know, it it it, it this wasn't really an opinion article, it was more of just like a a news summary, so I don't know if it should have been taken that tone, Andy. But that's neither here nor there. And the, the the last thing I'll say about it is that the the article states that Ugar, who was the, the 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 who led the protests said that she had started the protests specifically at Antler because it was in her neighborhood and she wanted to do a kind of like local grassroots campaign. And she saw this as an opportunity to start a dialogue with Hunter in hopes that he would add vegan restaurant or (laughs) add vegan restaurants, add (laughs) vegan options, and take off items from the menu like foie gras or, you know, these, you know, quote particularly cruel Menu items, so that's the reason why she specifically chose this restaurant, because a lot of people had been asking her, like, "Oh, well, why aren't you doing McDonald's or something like that?" And her response was, "Like, everyone already knows McDonald's sucks and is cruel, and and she wanted to kind of put the the emphasis on some of these other types of restaurants." And Andy, that's what we are here to talk about right now because this i mean i don't think it's it's up for debate whether or not this backfired because it it definitely <laughs> seems to have backfired but is there like is there any weight to her her idea of of wanting to like uh, i don't targeting i'll say targeting these local restaurants where you know you have more of an opportunity that you're more likely to open up a dialogue with someone with a restaurant where you can literally meet with and see the owner versus something like mcdonald's and and like is it worth trying to go after these things will people see it as you know attacking a mom and pop shop so i think that's what we want to talk about
1: yeah i mean that's such an interesting question to ask i think i i get it you know it's kind of like you're probably not going to get Walmart to make some change, but because if there's some protest outside of them, even if you shut down that Walmart, if that's your goal, there's thousands of other Walmarts. But if there's one small local business and if your protests impact their bottom line, even by 10, 15%, that's a huge hit for them. And they have to take that seriously and therefore they need to, have a dialogue with you or, or cave to your demands or, or read some sort of compromise, whatever it is. I guess my, my first qu- sort of this tactical question I have though, is, is this the best way to have to start that dialogue necessarily? So like, like d- do these types of protests accomplish anything like, I couldn't find anything that said if 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 Marnie like tried to talk to the restaurant owner first and then said, "Well, fine, we're going to protest your restaurant since you're not doing these things that I want," and the things that you know, I guess it was like kind of a little bit vague, but essentially add vegan options to your menu was and and remove the foie gras. Like that's what they wanted.
0: Well, I don't know if this really clarifies anything, but something it does say in the article is that. The The antler, the restaurant, it says, caught the attention of vegan activists when an employee scribbled venison is the new kale on an outdoor sandwich board. Mm. Activists began staging weekly protests yeah. and like holding signs and stuff like that. But if you're having like a weekly protest since December. So you've had like, I think I read another place. There were seven or eight. This was like the seventh or eighth time there was a protest. And I think I read that they continued them after after this incident. It's like at some point. I feel like you got to regroup and be like, are we making any progress right now? Because, like you were saying, Andy, if the goal is to have this dialogue, like I, f- I feel like after that many times, you kind of have to be like, I don't think this is going to be starting a-, a dialogue. Especially after this confrontation, I feel like that kind of set up a bigger barrier of being like, like I do not want you here and I'm going to actively... taunt you, basically, if you're going to remain here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I guess for me personally, I feel like this sort of sets the stage for not productive dialogue. You know, it is definitely a pressure tactic. Like, people can come to a business and say, we need you to do this, and if you don't, we're going to protest. And again, we don't know if that happened here. Um, I did find an article over at Plant Based News that was covering this that um, was, was interviewing Marnie again, and it said... My protest at a previous Toronto restaurant led to the owner coming to a chicken vigil so he could see what he was contributing to. He ended up adding vegan dishes and removing meat from the menu. He even told us that we were on the right side of history. So I don't know if that means removing meat entirely or just sort of removing some meat dishes and replacing them with vegan dishes. But this tactic did work at a previous restaurant.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, I wish that we knew more of it because like from all the the post uh the, from all the pictures and stuff like that it just kind of seems like a bunch of people a bunch of vegans outside holding up you know like meat is murder signs and stuff like that probably doing chants and those sorts of things it it doesn't really it doesn't really seem like more than that but but i can't imagine that there isn't more than that if it actually had this sort of success at this other restaurant
1: yeah, and and for all we know, this did happen, but it's not included in a single article. The, the 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 pre-protest contact with the restaurant, but it's not it's not listed anywhere. So it's really hard to to know, and it sort of makes it it gives the impression that all they did was just start protesting. And, and now, Paul, earlier you said that the way that the tone of that article was neither here nor there, but I think that is very much here and there. I think that the way the media reacts to this is a really important part of this discussion because, you know, the media is going to shape the narrative for the outside world that's looking in on what these wacky vegan activists are doing that everyone you know, already wants to hate everyone already doesn't like this type of vegan activist. It's very in your face. So I think it's, it's irresponsible on the part of the media to not sort of say, Hey, they already, they tried to talk to the restaurant owner and he was not receptive. And then they resorted to these measures.
0: Yeah, no, no, you're right. I I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have discredited the influence of the media and no, you're right about that.
1: So as far as targeting this specific restaurant goes, I definitely understand the motivations because, you know, we've seen this before with, you know, like DxE protesting Chipotle, right? And their mm-hmm. whole thing was like, pe- people are like, well, they have vegan options and they generally try and source from more humane, you know, we all know that's bullshit, right? But, but, like, why protest them and not someone that's like egregiously horrible in some other regard? And the whole reasoning was you know, we're trying to say that the humane, you know, the humane myth. Thing essentially right, mm-hmm. and so that's what they're doing with this protest is is saying it's not just McDonald's; it's it's every place that you will purchase any animal product, no matter how humane or ecologically friendly they try and be. It's still the taking of life of an animal, and that's inherently unethical.
0: Well, I think this case is is interesting because I think that's what you said is half right about this restaurant because Marnie definitely said. That she wasn't targeting McDonald's because everyone knows how cruel that is, blah 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 blah. But I do think that they probably picked this restaurant to some extent because of the the non traditional meat that's being sold there. Like I think it mentions foie gras there, and obviously there's a deer leg that's like the the main thing that s- spurred this whole this whole scenario.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that, that that could potentially, strategically, that could be something that would get the general public on your side because it is these animals that aren't typically consumed in, like, most fast food restaurants or something. But but I do think most people still view, like, deer and bison, you know, as food that's, like, a viable option.
0: Yeah, but, but just to conclude with what I was saying before, it's an interesting duality by Slipknot that's been created because... On one hand, it's these weird, it's these weird animals, quote quote, weird animals that we're not used to used to eating necessarily, or that are produced in uh, particularly cruel ways. But on, then, on the other hand, it does seem like this the the owner and it does seem like Hunter, the owner of the restaurant, and from what the article is saying, the, the like the antler does put weight into like oh we're we're sourcing our 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 all of our food locally and and we're raising it i don't know if they say humanely but it goes into you know like oh we we do we're doing things more ethically so it's this weird thing where it's like from from a vegan standpoint or from like an activist standpoint that's trying to target this particular place yeah they could they could attack the or they can attack it from the standpoint of they're serving this stuff that's particularly cruel. But I feel like one of the responses they're going to get, which is literally presented in this guardian article is saying like, Oh, but look how much, look how much these chefs actually care about the animals because they look how much they respect the animals and, and they're, they're only sourcing them. They're only, they're so much less cruel than all this other stuff. And, and those sorts of things, am I making any sense, Andy?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it, as far as the media goes, like, you, you sort of live or die based on the the leanings of the reporter, right? So if the reporter is going to say, but look, they care so much about the animals, why are you protesting them and not McDonald's, you know? And, and on some level, you can't control the narrative. But I, I guess, to me, I feel like I don't think that, from what I've observed, the protests— really are pushing that message that no matter how you do it, it's inhumane, it's, it's unethical. I feel like if that was really their message, that should have been what was on the signs they're holding. Now there was some, you know, media interviews and they get to clarify it there, but the signs that were, were being held were just sort of general go vegan signs. They weren't saying, you know, humane meat does not exist or they weren't like putting those types of messages out there. And so I feel like that would be really confusing to the general public. Uh, you know, like what would the general public think that they're trying to do out there? Do they think they're trying to talk to the restaurant and get them to add vegan options or do they think they're trying to shut down a restaurant? Because that's usually what you think of when you think of a protest of that nature.
0: So do you think that because we're talking about whether or not this is an effective tactic to, to kind of attack these local smaller businesses. Do you think then that if, if someone is going to go after something like this, they should have a much more refined approach to it and, and not, not just like a general go vegan message that might work for like a, a March or something like that. Or, you know, if if you want to do a demonstration in some public, some public area, like if you're going to go after, Something specific like this, would it be like because I think I think, Andy, we both agree on the fact that what happened in this particular instance was probably not the most effective thing and, and backfired a bit. But do you think that it's possible that it could be effective if it was more if there was a specific ask and people were much more specific and and refined in what they were saying and what they were doing. Could it be something that's effective then to attack or to target a local restaurant like this?
1: I mean, honestly, I think it really depends what that specific ask is. You know, obviously we could see like a foie gras protest or something like that. And again, you know, for me personally, I think, I think my time is best spent doing vegan education work, but, I think that if you have a specific ask, if you go to the restaurant first and try and ha- create that conversation with them and sort of put the pressure on, let them know if this doesn't happen, we're going to show up and protests are going to happen every Saturday during your busiest time, you know, your lunchtime, your dinner time, or whatever. And then if they still don't agree to it and then you show up and then you have to have signs that very specifically express what your problem is you know like that could be effective but again i'm trying to i'm trying to think of an ask that would warrant that behavior that would have an outcome that's like desirable you know like like we talked about the foie gras thing with postmates and we're both like cool i'm glad this happened then then didn't happen but is this the thing that that we should be spending a lot of our time on now and again i don't want to I'm sure all those people that were doing it in one in one video, they said, you know, this isn't the only place that we protest at. And I'm sure they're engaging in vegan education. So I don't want to say all all they do is this one little thing. But it's it's hard for me to really look at that and say that that's like the best use of our time because it feels like a very sort of aimless. Oh, we saw this sign that said venison is the new kale. And that really kind of bugged us. And now we're going to go protest this restaurant for months for months so i don't know you know it's hard i don't want to like crap on these people that are they're trying to get out there and they're being active for animals and they're raising their voices but i do think that there are times when we need to examine what we're doing and we're saying does this feel good do we feel good because we're we're out there and and sticking it to this restaurant that said Venice is, is the new kale or are we being strategic in the targets that we pick and the asks that we're making of them
0: yeah no i agree andy
1: And as far as your question about, like, you know, is there a a place where this could work with a small local business? You know, we're seeing the reaction that the neighbors are having and the people passing by are having. And I think that people would have that reaction even if they are outside of a KFC or McDonald's or something. But there's almost this extra added layer of you're attacking you know clutch my pearls, you're attacking a small business owner, <laughs> you know like we hold small business owners up like there's some you know and I, and I am one right so i like i like I like the the sort of the added uh reverence that comes with that, but it's like there's not really a reason that we have to be reverent about some small business owner, but that's there, and people say you're attacking someone that's in a member of our community. And has been here for a while, and and like we know them, they're not some faceless corporation. And now you're attacking them, and you're attacking a specific person's livelihood. I think that carries extra negative weight with the general public. Mm-hmm. And you know, not that we have to do everything with like the perception of the public in mind. There, there could be cases when we do things we like. Okay, we know this paints us in a negative light, but we're going to gain some really good ground by doing it i don 't know if this is one of those situations. again, I feel like the the asks that we could make of restaurants generally might not be worth the hassle that gets put into it
0: Well Andy, can you give me an example of something that you think would be effective that paints us in a negative light because like the, the more the, the longer we've done this podcast, the more I've had these discussions I, I think the more I, I grow of the opinion that we should really only be doing things that are positive, positive in, in terms of pushing people along that down that spectrum towards veganism or towards compassion. And I, to me, this story is an example of how, of uh, this story is an example exactly that that kind of proves my point and that shows that we shouldn't be doing these in my opinion we shouldn't be doing these these things that that bring negative attention to us because it could completely backfire and 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 yes it's getting the word vegan out there yes it's getting it's getting it's getting the message out there that there are people that are doing this thing but if it's always represented in this negative light then it seems to be promoting the thing that exactly the thing that we don't want
1: yeah my example of something that i think the general public frowns upon but i think could be an effective use of time i will just say vaguely actual direct action
0: okay all right but but do, do you i yes okay but do you agree that stories like this Run counter to the whole like any press is good press mentality.
1: Yes, and I think that this is just sort of uh, like what we see PETA doing, you know. Because in in the article, right, someone I I assume Marnie said, you know, that this wasn't the original goal was to create this big hubbub. You know, my objective was to sit down with Hunter and make a case for veganism. That's an actual quote. And I guess first, I'm like, "Uh, is that really? I mean. Again, it feels like a really confrontational way to start off that that dialogue. But you know, now that things have changed and there's all this media attention, now they're just using it to promote veganism and get the word vegan out, out there. And that is like the PETA strategy. Like, let's do something outrageous. And it doesn't matter if we're campaigning to get Warhammer 40,000 to remove the plastic <laughs> fur from the little figurines. What really matters is that people think it's ridiculous and then they come to our website and see footage about actual animals on fur farms. I still maintain that that's a net negative. I don't think that, you know, I, hey, maybe there are some people that went vegan because of that and changed their mind about animals because of that. But I feel like the the baggage of those wacky vegans and I'm just I'm just gonna look at this website for laughs. I think that that outweighs it. But hey, there could be some study that proves me wrong on that. But my intuition says that the the lasting effect of doing these any any press is good press type stunts is a net negative.
0: Yeah, and like you said, I think Marnie said herself that she was upset with how over sensationalized like the the response. Of the media has been, but it's it is interesting though because unlike unlike PETA, this the reason that this is so popular is not the thing that the vegans popular as in like has gotten a lot of media attention is not the thing that the vegans did. It's the thing that the it's how the non-vegan reacted. But I mean, I guess. A vegan because I believe this became viral because of, some, of the, the, the videos that the protesters posted so it did still become vegan because of what the vegans protested but I think it is different than the, the normal PETA doing something outrageous because in this case it was the non-vegan that was doing something outrageous yeah. it, just, it just happens that the thing that he was doing as out, that was outrageous was not outrageous enough to gross out the general public
1: yeah, which is almost weird to me. <laughs> like, it's a pretty gross thing, but...
0: It is, yeah.
1: But I, but I think maybe the gross factor is outweighed by the we-want-to-stick-it-to-the-vegans factor.
0: <laughs> People eating tasty animals, bro.
1: <laughs> Gwen Ramsey made his reservation there as soon as he saw that happen, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting, though, that for, for once it, it was not the vegan activists doing the the absurd things
1: yeah yeah no that's definitely a good point so so let me ask you this you know in this instance it has been said that the 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 goal was not to shut down the restaurant or to affect his business and actually there's uh, a quote in the star from marnie that said i don't consider this protest an attack on him or an attack on his business so in this instance it's not something that's they're saying we want you to shut down I guess they would prefer them switch to a vegan restaurant ultimately, but if there was like a protest that where the goal was we're just trying to run this this meat based business out of business, and they do you think if they if they achieved that, if their protests were so horrible so graphic and whatever it was that either turned people off because they don't want to be seen in front of that mess or they they have a change of heart, do you feel like that would be a win?
0: I don't know because. Is the end goal then to just keep going from restaurant to restaurant until all of the non-vegan restaurants are shut down? I, I like. I don't really. I guess I don't really see that as an achievable goal to 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 shut down every non-vegan restaurant or to get every non-vegan restaurant to turn vegan using just like, like I'm just imagining. Did you ever see Monty Python and the Holy Grail, Andy?
1: It's been a minute, but yeah.
0: You know, the, those little like animated like transition scenes that they have where it's just like a bunch of it's like a bunch of guys like rabble rousing and they're just like, oh, and they like run from <laughs> yeah. one location to another. And it's just a group of vegans scurrying from one restaurant to another rabble rousing and, and shutting down restaurants. It's like I, I don't think that that's the thing that's going to get that change to come about because again if you, if you don't have we are we are 7% in the UK but if unless we have a larger population of vegans i don't think that this is the tactic that's going to work i think that if there were if if the united states was or canada or wherever we're talking about if it was like 40% vegan I think then these sorts of protests might be more effective because you would have so many people on your side. But right now, as we can see, there's more people that are going to be like I'm going to go out of my way to to stick it to the vegans and get this thing just because I I like I want to support this this restaurant.
1: Yeah, I think that that's probably a pretty key distinction is that we don't necessarily have the public support on our side and we we might with with certain issues and with certain phrasings and framings of of various topics but with this one it still just sort of puts vegans in a position to be mocked and I guess I would argue you know the mockery that is that is coming at our expense is not outweighed by the potential benefit of them getting their their way which is remove the foie gras and get some vegan options on the menu
0: yeah well and so this this makes me think though back to the the postmates foie gras discussion where it's like like you were just saying there are issues that are related to veganism where i think we do have much more of a maybe not even a majority but much more of a a public endorsement than than something like the, the issue of trying to shut down a local business, but something like foie gras does have that. And is there a way that we can, is there a way that we can utilize something like the, the general public's distaste of foie gras and, and how can we like transfer that over to other issues? is, like are groups like PETA that are that shut down Foie Gras? Are they onto something by trying to attack the things that the public so obviously dislikes? And then, like, are they going to try to transition it to other things or something like even, you know, like SeaWorld is another thing where I feel like there's a lot of general public dislike of that, and 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 we have we can get more numbers. Rallying against something like that, than we can against, you know, just like banning meat in general or something. Are they on to something with that? Or is that, is that, uh, am I wishful thinking?
1: My answer is, uh, I don't know, Paul. I, I honestly, <laughs> I honestly do not have an answer to your question there.
0: I, I don't know. I just want to, like, I, I'm, you know, I'm willing to open up to listening to other ideas about how people think that their tactics are effective tactics that, you know, you or I don't necessarily see as very effective, but I just want someone to explain it to me, Andy, just like still waiting, still waiting for the, uh, what is it? The, um, <laughs> the, welfare, the welfare argument about how making cages bigger will eventually lead to a, to a vegan world. Still looking for that roadmap. map.
1: Well, you know, I love a good roadmap, Paul. Mm-hmm. So I think we could probably wrap it up with this great question that's posed from Giselle, who's one of the many beardos that emailed in asking us to cover this. And I'll just read a little section from this email, which says, I totally agree with their message. I don't feel great about how they're going about trying to get their message across. It feels like it is doing more harm than good. The question is, though, what can vegans say or do that non vegans will not get offended by? It feels like somewhat of a hopeless situation when most people are not open or willing to discuss the issue or genuinely think about the horrible things they are contributing to so what do you think about that paul
0: well I, like i i I can totally empathize with this and and something that that has been bugging me lately because you know i'm I'm one to I'm fully behind promoting just getting vegan education out there and changing individuals' minds and and those sorts of things and 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 I'm as a whole I'm typically less a fan of the more aggressive tactics or and I think this is I will completely admit I think this is partially just because of my personality and as someone that that wouldn't engage in these sorts of things anyways just because I'm, I like to keep a low profile, which is why which which low is why pro. I do a weekly podcast. But like, I, I'm against those sorts of more aggressive or loud or vocal tactics, and, but but something that's that I've been thinking of recently is like, well, if I'm if I'm only if I'm only doing the educational thing, like, am I missing am I missing? Some portions of the population that aren't going to become vegan because of those things and, and are there tactics that kind of blend some of these different philosophies together. And I do think that, you know, we've talked about that the cube of truth, like I do think that that's kind of a blend between education and like a more outspoken or disruption type of advocacy because they have people showing people being exposed to this graphic image in a public place. But then there are also people going around to have the conversations, to do the education. So it's like, I feel like something like that is if it's done, if it's done properly, I feel like something like that could be very effective. And I feel like that's kind of like a blend of some of these different tactics. Andy, I don't know how I started talking about this. I don't even remember what, what the question is that I'm supposed to be (laughs) asking answering, but
1: well, well, Giselle's question was essentially like, what can vegans do that won't get people offended? And, you know, obviously I feel that, that sort of like damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. I don't know if this specific protest is one of those things, because I feel like this one is just sort of doomed to fail from the start. You know, you're not, you're not starting in a place where you're going to have an honest open dialogue. You're already starting out as being very aggressive. And so I, I think that there's all, there could potentially be other ways to even achieve these goals, including sitting down with the the co-owners of, of Antler and talking to them about this. But I also think like, you know, like r- recognize your audience, recognize that these are people who are heavily invested in the exploitation of animals. It's literally their business. And they also think that they are doing something good for the animals in their own twisted way, right? The people that aren't thinking about where their animal products are coming from, are the ones that are the easiest to reach. The people that have made consuming quote unquote humane meat a part of their identity are some of the hardest people to reach. You think they'd be a lot easier because oh they care about animals, they've already taken these steps, so you care about animals, why not go all the way? Yeah. You think that would be the 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 easier tipping point. But in my experience of talking to, you know, a lot <laughs> literally tens of thousands of people about this, the people that are that have made that a part of their identity are very hard to reach so i'm not saying you shouldn't try but i think that to me the message of this whole thing is be strategic about who you target and how you target them and what kind of asks you're making those aren't things that i saw in this specific incidence. and i don't know if maybe they feel like it's it's this case of it, what's that fallacy? The the it's like your time spent or whatever fallacy where you like you you've put so much time into something and you feel like you can't stop doing it. Yeah, because of that, like you're you have to achieve your goal when sometimes it's just better to be like this isn't working. Let me go try something else.
0: I also I just wanted to say <laughs> I'm going to try to actually answer something that Giselle asked about because I think when Giselle is saying when Giselle uses the word offended, I think that could be like a synonym for how Giselle's using it is like something that's going to cause a non-vegan to have a strong negative reaction. And I think that that should be differentiated from making a non-vegan uncomfortable because I think that it's okay. And it's, it's probably a constructive thing if your education or the things that you're doing are making someone uncomfortable in the way that it's in, in, in the way that it's challenging their their current part of their current belief systems or part of their current lifestyle like i think feeling uncomfortable by those things is the natural predecessor to making changes about those things i don't think that most people make these sorts of ethical or moral changes without first feeling uncomfortable about being challenged by how their current thinking is and and also, I I definitely want to clarify. I don't mean making uncomfortable, like getting in their personal bubble or something like that. Not, not that kind of uncomfortable. Uncomfortable, like challenging their current beliefs. So I don't think that that that's a bad thing. And and I think I think that it should definitely be differentiated from like offending someone or making someone mad at you and making someone uncomfortable. Like because I, I think one of those is very. Can, can be very constructive, and one is probably going to get you slapped in the face.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we can leave it there. You know, we'd love to hear from the beardos about this, of course. So please send us an email at thebeardvegans at gmail.com or, you know, <laughs> through the contact page at thebeardvegans.com, which you can now do. <laughs> And yeah, I don't know. I I, th- I think that there's a lot of lessons that were learned from this action of of ways to be more strategic in the future.
0: I think so. Definitely. And, and I'm glad that we had this discussion, Andy.
1: Me too, Paul. Thank you. Thank you to all the beardos that emailed in.
0: <laughs> so Andy, what do you got coming up?
1: All right. This coming weekend, Paul, you and I are both going to be at something. I'll be <gasps> at VegFest Michigan in Novi, Michigan. And Paul, you're going to be at the New England Veg Fest in Worcester, Massachusetts.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll be there with Josh. D- don't get him confused with me. We look very similar to each other.
1: <laughs> yes, and both of those are April 29th. And then May 5th, I'll be at the Cleveland Veg Fest, Cleveland, Ohio. June 2nd, Paul is going to be at the Lancaster Veg Fest in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And I'll be doing June 10th at the Asheville Vegan Fest, Asheville, North Carolina, June 16th, Tri-State Veg Fest, in New Jersey, and June 30th, the Vegandale Food and Drink Festival in Chicago, Illinois. All of those events, either Paul or I, will be behind the Compassion Company table, which is my my little vegan clothing line. If you want all the dates, deets, and links for those events, and many more all the way through till November now, up, up until our appearance at the uh, Atlanta Veg Fest you just go to compassionco.com this is compassionco.com
0: cool can't wait to can't wait to hopefully meet some beardos at these events that i have coming up
1: yes I, it should be a lot of fun so paul i was i was harping on the protest signs that i saw in, in the the footage and the pictures of these protests that were going on at antler and how i felt some of them were off message right mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Were, were there any that were particularly interesting to you? Well, Andy? there
1: was one that I felt was was really long, actually, and, and which is like really odd to me. I took a still of that, that frame in the video, so let me just read it to you. He's nervous, but on the surface, he looks calm and ready to drop bombs. But he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down, which is the following seven
0: words: <laughs> "We are the bearded vegans." Signing off. Yo. His palm spaghetti, knees weak, arms spaghetti. There's vomit on his sweater spaghetti. Mom spaghetti, he's nervous, but on the surface he looks calm spaghetti. To drop bombs, but he keeps on
1: spaghetti. What he wrote down, the whole crowd goes spaghetti. He opens his mouth, but spaghetti won't come out. He's choking how? Everybody's choking now. Spaghetti's run out. Time's up, over. Plow. Snap back to spaghetti. Oh, there goes. sorry paul uh where the fuck is it okay there we are all right uh, let's do it wait <laughs> okay now let's do it
0: welcome to the show i'm paul
1: and i'm andy
0: and we are the bearded vegans the podcast feature you hear me- that
1: yeah sorry that was uh hq oh yeah <laughs> also when you said one take i was like do not miss your chance to blow <laughs>
0: <laughs> definitely definitely i feel like yeah whatever definitely <laughs> i was gonna say i feel like we're that that m ms that one m m song where where the Stan? guy keep, yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> they're open till like two in the morning so great plot great plus <laughs> You all right, <laughs> you know, just doing my thing. <laughs> all right, smooth sailing from here on out.
0: And you can find those crans, those cran cran tripskins <laughs> after one of the impro. No, nah, that doesn't matter.